calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings Podcast. On this episode, JJ and Kat are not here, as they had some things they needed to take care of tonight. However, they did send a very special guest host in their replacement. Tough shoes to fill, but I think Teresa is up for the challenge. You know, Teresa, she was on some of the first episodes we had on the podcast. Um, Teresa is a medium. Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and guest hosting tonight. You're most welcome. It's wonderful to be back. I love the energy from this show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we love having you here. We know our fans enjoy hearing from you. So we have a guest tonight, somebody that reached out to us and wanted to come on and share some stories. They're a fan of the podcast and actually just found out that uh, Teresa has done a reading for them in the past, which is also super cool. Makes the world feel really small sometimes. But hey, that's why we like it here at Real Hauntings. He's going to go by the name Echo. Echo, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you find the Real Hauntings podcast? I've actually been listening to you guys since day one. Wow, that's so cool to hear. Um, Wow. Yes, awesome. Yeah, three years in, who would have thought that uh, this little train that could would keep going? Uh, For an indie (laughs) podcast, it has far and exceeded my expectations. Well, Echo, you know that we love to find out where everyone falls on the Believometer. Zero meaning ghosts aren't real and 10 ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you fall on that scale? I want to say I'm at a very solid seven. A seven. Okay. I think that's a really fair number. I, I kind of float between a seven and nine these days myself. Echo, where did your journey with the supernatural start? What kind of got you start tracking up that scale towards a seven? It's always been an interest of mine. Growing up in a Hispanic family, my mother has always been very religious, very close to spirituality. And I think that's what really 
got my interest going, wanting to find out more about it. Yeah, I, I can relate to that too as well. I grew up in a very religious household, and I think in some ways that made it easier for me to believe in the supernatural than than discounting yep. it. Um, Teresa, I, I'm trying to remember. I know it's been a while since we did your you know original base interview. Did you also grow up in a religious household? I did not. No, uh-uh. um, my dad actually considered himself an atheist. My mom grew up in as a Catholic, but really never enforced us to go to church. You know, we did the little here and there, went to a little church camp and this, that and the other. But no, I'd never had a basis of religion uh, growing up at all. Just that little tiny tidbits. So I didn't really have a lot to go off of. So when I started seeing spirits at a young age, it was just like, what the actual hell, you know? I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. I didn't have anybody to base it off of. I didn't have any, I mean, any experiences to base it off of. It was more difficult. I, so I think you're right. Having a religious background probably would have helped in some way. Because, you know, the Bible's full of spirituality and angels and all the things that were, you know, it's like we're not, uh, we're not seeing, perhaps. We just need to believe. Right. And and did your family, do they know that, um you know, you have these gifts and abilities? And if so, were they accepting in that part of your life? Oh, yeah. Um, way back when I'd say I just kept it a secret, so to speak. But boy, when I came out of the medium closet. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're my biggest fans. I have two sisters and a brother, my mom, and I would say that they're all really big fans of mine in their own ways. Both my sisters have the gift. They just don't like to use it. They're scared to death of it. Well, yeah, I'm I'm sure it takes a, a special person <laughs> to be able to grapple uh, with the spirit realm. Well, Echo, so with that being said, why don't you walk us through some of your experiences? The stories that I had sent in, the first one happened about, I want to say like three or four months ago, somewhere around July, August, about four years ago, I had an incident happen to me where I ended up being hospitalized for suicide. Mm. And when this happened, I guess that's when my perspective on a lot of things shifted. And that's when I started getting a lot closer to the spiritual stuff and to all of this a little bit more deeply. And one thing led to another. I started doing more meditation stuff, trying to see if I could figure out ways to I don't know, come in contact with a spirit of sorts or something like that. And one of the meditation practices that I had heard about, you can do this meditation at home because your house is one of the places that you could recognize the easiest. And the thing about it was you're supposed to close your eyes and kind of visualize your home and walk throughout your home with your eyes closed kind of to get in tune with your surroundings, with your body, the subtle messages that your body would give you before, for example, bumping into something. And I decided to try it at night because I thought it would be easier. Nobody would be awake to manipulate the environment to kind of spook me or anything like that. It would be more of a calm thing. And when I did this, I decided to walk from my little sleeping area because I don't have a room. I have a corner section off in the living room. And I decided to try this out. And I went from my room to the bathroom. 
did not go well. I bumped into absolutely everything. And by the time I got to the bathroom, I decided that maybe it would be a little bit easier to walk backwards since I kind of knew the layout after going through it the first time. And as I was going on the route back, right before I got to where my room was, I ended up crashing into the wall, which ended up kind of jolting me, uh, kind of jolting me and making me open my eyes. And when that happened, I ended up seeing this floating head. And Ooh. it was like, uh, have you ever heard of Slenderman? Um, I'm familiar with Slenderman in the sense that I know the story that kind of went viral of those two girls, you know, that um, I, well, I believe. You know how he looks so, right? Tall, skinny guy, right. no face. Well, the face that the head that I saw was kind of like that, except with, an, with eyes and a mouth. No hair, no ears, no nose. It was just that pretty much. And what I found odd was that when I saw this, the where the neck area was, it was kind of like faded off. So it was literally just like a floating head, but you could tell that it had a body, it just kind of faded away. And when this happened, it kind of just jump scared me really, took a step back. And the head had appeared so close to me that I could actually feel the breath coming out of the mouth. And Man, it's crazy because everything just happened so quick. By the time I recognized that, I guess, well, like what was going on uh, and felt that breath hit my face, the creepiest thing happened. That face just kind of smiled at me and mm -hmm. said hello in this really low-toned voice, which kind of freaked me out even more. Yeah, after that, it just it went away as fast as it appeared. Yeah, kind of kind of a freaky thing to to experience because I've never really, I want to say I've never really seen something like that so clearly. You know. Sure. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I know that uh, you know for it to start mentioning suicide and stuff, we appreciate you kind of trusting us enough to talk about that. Um, with that being said. I have, don't know if I've ever heard a story where somebody has felt the breath of a spirit or a ghost. Teresa, have you ever had anything like that happen? I have from the back of my neck. Um, I felt a spirit behind me and it gave me that overwhelming feeling of dread. Like, oh my gosh, my whole head just kind of like, like squished down my neck, wanted to squish down. I didn't want it to touch me. And I'm just like moved forward as fast as I could out of the area. Yeah, they gave and, me the uh, chills. Ugh. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and to this day, that's how I explain to people um, the feeling like good energy and darker energy around you. I, because I, I remember that feeling so well. And uh, Echo, I, I agree. It's just that you just can't even fathom it's happening. You know, it's like, whoo. But yeah. um, I'll tell people, you know, well, what kind of energy do you feel? And they're like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I'm going to stand behind you and I'm going to, I'm going to breathe behind you. And I'm going to, I'm going to give this feeling to you like this, like <sighs> kind of thing. And they're like, oh my God, it was like that. And as opposed to the grandmother touching your shoulder gently and loving on you and rubbing your shoulder, that good energy, that's the difference between the two to me. 
And that's what I tell people all the time. And and I know, you know, we have to be careful or thoughtful when we try to categorize the supernatural, but is that something that you would consider a poltergeist if it's able to project its breath onto you? You know, I guess that's would be the only way to really describe it. I guess I've never really thought about it before, but I did feel a very darkness from it. It did not make me feel comfortable. I felt uh, yeah, at this point in time, thousands of spirits. And when I feel those rarities, it just shows me, you know, that I was in a place in my life. And this makes sense with Echo. He was in a place of his life of darkness. He was not in this joyful place. I wasn't either at that time. I was stressed out. I was a little overwhelmed with life. And I think it's easier to, for that darker energy to get in and kind of work on you where the light, uh, you know, energy, it, we have to be in a better place to accept it. So Echo, you had this experience. Now you, you've had other experiences as well that you mentioned in the email you sent over. Can you tell us about some of those too? So I've realized that whenever I try to communicate with something that maybe more neutral or more negative, things tend to happen right away as opposed to uh, when I try to connect with more positive energies, I don't really know why. It's just always been like that for me. I think because I've always been in a more negative space, like Teresa said, it's easier for those negative energies to come through. And about two years ago, I started to do a little more research into demons and demonology and more malevolent spirits and whatnot. And I ended up getting very interested in ceremonial magic. And I ended up finding out about this book called The Lesser Key of Solomon, which I actually have with me. And I was going through this book, get a little bit more information about stuff, because I, at this point, I had realized that there's more to spirits that a lot of stuff has negative connotations nowadays. So I just really kind of wanted to inform myself a little bit better upon stuff. And getting into all of this, I ended up finding out that there's quote unquote evil spirits that magicians actually work with. So I've always liked the thought of shamanic work. And from my knowledge, I don't know if it's correct or not, but shamans tend to work with both good and evil spirits to be able to help people or communicate or do whatever it is that they're doing. And so that was another reason why I started delving more into demonology and all of that. And so I got this book and it has apparently, I think it's like 60 something demons or something like that, that King Solomon used to work with and that he came in contact with. And as I was going through this book, there was one specific demon that caught my eye. And his name is Agaris, I think it's pronounced. And I found it odd because back when I was in high school, I was in a very conflicted time, I guess, for lack of better description. I had a lot of stuff going on at home. And because my mom was so religious and I was so young, it kind of pushed me into that rebellion side. And in my mind, I was like, well, 
they always go to God. They always go to the light. My mom's constantly talking about when something happens, pray to God, pray to Jesus. And I just, at the time, didn't have the best relationship with my family. So I decided to do the complete opposite. And I ended up finding this website. I don't remember the name of it. I just know it was your typical Angel Fire website, which is supposed to be like satanic websites that are around. And this specific website throughout the years had been taken down and resurfaced and taken down and resurfaced. And when I got this book a few years ago, that name I realized was one of the names that had continuously popped up back when I was in high school in all of those websites. And so as I was reading through this book, I decided to try and find that website again. It took me a while. It took me like an hour or two to end up finding it again. And that's when things kind of clicked. And I was like, oh, man, it's actually it's actually something that's been around for a while. And I didn't understand why it kept popping up. But as this was happening, I had just gotten home from work. It was maybe like 6.30ish, 7, 7 p.m. And I was just in the parking lot in my car going through this book, reading about everything. And when I ended up having that click with the website and with the book, I just got chills going down my entire body. I had that same anxiety, that same fear that I had when the face popped in front of my face, the, the floating head, I mean. and it kind of just made me panic a bit. Something just didn't feel right. And because I needed to shower that day, I normally like to shower at night, but because I was so panicked, I decided I would try and shower a lot earlier. So by the time I went back inside, it was maybe like 8, 8.30, and my sister was had just gotten into the bathroom. And like me, she loves to take hours in there because we just love the water. And so because of this, I wasn't able to take a shower early. And then when she got out of the bathroom, I didn't realize when my brother went into the bathroom. And so I was just kind of sitting there waiting. And a little bit after, I ended up getting a call from my dad because he worked night shift at the time. And his car had... I guess run out of battery, must have left the light on or something in the car. So I had to go over there to help him out. And so by the time I get back home from helping my dad, it's probably like around 11, 11.30. And so it was really what I was trying to prevent. And I ended up taking a shower late at night. And when I got into the shower, for whatever reason, uh, as I'm shampooing my hair, his name pops into my head. And when his name pops into my head, I just get this rush of fear. Like someone is just, like I'm in a horror movie and someone's on the other side of the curtain just waiting to throw it open and just stab me or something. It was a type of fear that I haven't felt in a very long time. And so I kind of start panicking. I try to shower as quick as I can. And 
while I'm doing this, the water starts to change temperatures. It starts to get freezing cold and switching to burning hot and switching to freezing cold and burning hot over and over again. And when this happened, I was like, okay, something's not right. This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And so, again, I just try to continue showering as fast as I can. But then more things started to happen. I don't know if you've ever been in the shower and had the steam kind of like float the curtain inwards towards you. Well, this was more like somebody grabbed the center of the curtain and just started to violently shake in and out. And that kind of added to the fear. And when that happened, I was conditioning my hair and I had to close my eyes to wash all the soap and everything off of my head. But when I did this, I ended up getting another name just pop into my head. And that name was Beelzebub. I hadn't, I've heard of the name before, but I didn't really know what it was or who it was or what it meant. And the thing that I found the weirdest was that when this name popped into my head, it was like in scribble font, if that makes sense. There was a bunch of scribbles just in a circle, and on top of that circle scribble was the word Beelzebub written in scribbles as well. When that happened, 
every time I would go to close my eyes, I couldn't close my eyes because that would just be crazily vivid in my mind to the point where I decided to not close my eyes anymore and just rinse the soap off with my eyes open, which if you've never had soap in your eyes, that burns a lot. <laughs> and so when this happened, just it was so much fear going on. And then with the water change, I decided to say some prayers. And because I come from a Hispanic background and my mom always used to make us go to church with her, we were made to uh, memorize the Holy Father and the Ave Maria in Spanish. And so those two specific prayers have kind of been integrated into me. And so that was the first thing that I could think of to do was just say those prayers and just hope that things stop. And so I started, I started saying these prayers. And while I'm saying these prayers, all of a sudden, I started hearing banging. Now, I know it's no, no one in my family because one, by this time, I'm pretty sure it's maybe like one in the morning. Everybody's asleep. I, I made sure that nobody was up when I went in. My dad was the last one to get home by the time we had gotten home from uh, helping him get his car jumped. My brother and my sister and my mom were all asleep already. And he had gone to bed right away. So I'm pretty sure that by this time, he was also asleep. And we also have a dog, which I did not hear. And I'm pretty sure if anybody would have woken up, it would have been the dog. And so I just keep saying this prayer over and over in my head. And then all of a sudden, I just forget it. Like, I can't remember even one word of the prayer. And so... I'm freaking out to the point where I have my back up against the wall and I'm just looking at the curtains and I'm just like, man, what the hell is going on? What is all of this? Like, I'm so confused. I can't close my eyes because this thing keeps popping into my head. I have this over feeling of dread. The atmosphere is so heavy in there. It feels kind of like being underwater and having all that pressure just up against you. And so after a while of just standing there in fear, I get another thought come into my head. And it was another name being Michael. And right away I realized, oh, Michael's supposed to be one of the strongest angels. He's supposed to be the angel that cast, that cast Lucifer down from the heavens. And so I have my phone right outside of the shower. Luckily, it's waterproof. So I open up the curtain to try and go get my phone. And when I open up the curtain, there's a mirror right across from our bathtub. And for whatever reason, it catches my eye. And it sounds crazy, but... I swear I saw the slightest of a delay from when I opened my curtain to peek out. And because of that, I was just kind of staring at myself in the reflection, just seeing if anything unusual would happen or 
if maybe my reflection would move or something. And nothing necessarily moved, but right before I grabbed my phone, I realized that I had my hand on the curtain holding it open and my reflection didn't. It was just an open curtain with my reflection looking at me. And when this happened, I just kind of grabbed my phone, closed the curtain, went back into the shower. During all of this, everything is still going on. I, I, uh, I end up Googling a random prayer for Michael. I can't remember what it was really, but I ended up reciting this prayer over and over. And maybe after like three or four times, everything just kind of stopped. The banging stopped, the curtain stopped flapping so violently. Things just kind of settled down. And I was just so panicked that I didn't even finish showering. I just, the second I felt that the atmosphere pressure go back to normal and the curtains stop shaking, I just instantly shut off the water and I left. I went back into my room and I think I was just so frazzled that I just right away fell asleep. Ooh, um, so is that, would you say a cautionary tale uh, about investing time in demonology? <laughs> uh, yes. <sir. laughs> <laughs> and the craziest thing is that the next day I end up I go to work and I'm just kind of replaying everything in my head because I have this thing and I don't know if it's just me but whenever something intense happens or I have an encounter of some sort like this the moment it's over it's like it never even happened and I'm just double guessing everything and I've had some pretty, this is like the second craziest thing that has ever happened to me. And it's still like, I don't even know if it actually happened or not. And Echo, since this took place and, and you said you were kind of done with that, has, did that kind of quench your curiosity of spirits <laughs> like that? I mean, I mean, honestly, because it seems like maybe some of the stuff is a little easier for you to communicate. You said, you know, versus like other types of spirits. It has not deterred me. And I think it's partially because what I said that for whatever reason, I could have the most frightening, most intense thing happen to me. But the second it's over, it's just so mind-boggling that I'm like, did that really happen? And it makes me just even more curious. And so after that, after I had that experience happen, I actually tried getting in contact with it again. <laughs> and I had some issues with my ex and her boyfriend at the time. And I live in an area where when stuff happens, people don't tend to call the cops. People don't tend to do anything about anything. So I had this guy come up to me a lot of times while I was in my car and literally try to smash my window open, trying to fight me. And this happened like a good four or five times. 
And every time I was just like, I'm not going to fight you. I don't care. Like, you know, in my mind, it really made no point whether we fight or not. Like, it wouldn't solve any of what he was feeling. I could tell it was just blank, blank anger. And so after the last time that he did this, I ended up driving away and I had this book. And this book has a lot of information on how to conjure up the spirits and demons that are in there. And there's a part in the book where I believe it's two, three, it's around five different prayers that you're supposed to say when conjuring up either the angels in the book or the demons in the book. And I was just so bothered by things and I didn't know really how to solve it because calling the cops was gonna make things worse. Fighting the dude was gonna make things worse. There was really no winning with it. So I was like, well, let me let me see if this would work. And in the in this book, it tells you what every demon is supposed to do. And this book says that the specific demon of God is says he maketh them run that stand still and fetcheth back the runaways. So I was like, okay, well, apparently he's been around me before I even know who he was, really. I had that intense experience maybe like two, three weeks prior to having this guy come up to me the last time. So I was like, there has to be some type of connection. I'm, I'm not getting hurt necessarily, as freaky as everything is. Nothing is really hurting me. So I just took my chances and I read out the conjurations in the book. And it's funny because there's three specific ones that you're supposed to say. And at the end of each one, it says, if he does not appear after this, say this one. If he does not appear after this, say this one. And so I get to the third one. And after I finish reading the third one, that atmospheric pressure change. It, it just like everything, it felt like everything in my car just like dropped, if that makes sense. Like the pressure of it, it felt like I was in a vacuum sitting inside of my car or something. And so I took that as a he as a, he was conquered, as he was there, something was there. And so I just kind of said out loud, like, hey, you know, I know I'm not supposed to just conjure you up like this. I know there's specific ways according to this book, but I'm just having a hard time with this guy. You're supposed to make people that stand still run away. I was like, I don't know if you can help me, but I would appreciate it if you could just get rid of this guy for me. And so I left it at that. And there's another section in the book called the departure prayer. And so I read that to kind of just cast away the energies that were there. The pressure in my car went back to normal. And I was like, okay, let's go back home. And when I get back home, 
lo and behold, it could just be a coincidence, but there was cops everywhere. And I end up seeing that the cops were talking to this guy. I'm chilling in my car, just kind of watching everything go down. And after the cops talked to him for a solid 10, 15 minutes, I see him pointing at my car. I'm guessing he was saying like, I'm just here to talk to this guy. And the cops kind of look over at the direction of my vehicle. And they end up actually escorting him out of the apartments. They put him into a, a cop car and they just drive away. And I just kind of took that as things worked. And I get back in my car, I go pump gas. And when I go pump gas, I kind of lose consciousness. And this happened as I inserted the nozzle into my gas tank. I end up just, everything goes blank, like if I was blacked out drunk. And next thing I know, I'm inside of my car driving away and I hear a loud bang and I turn around and the gas hose was still connected to my car and I had popped it off of the gas, I guess, the, you know? And I just kind of panicked. I look at the time, it's been maybe like 15, 20 minutes. And I'm just kind of like, what the hell happened? And then, I hear this voice, this smooth but low tone, just kind of say, don't do that again. And I just kind of shove the hose back into its socket. They've connected just fine. And I drove away. And I kind of just took that as a sign of don't just conjure things up if you're not gonna do things properly. And that was the last time that I messed with all of that. I never had any issues with my ex or her boyfriend anymore. And I just, yeah, left it at that. I don't know why, but that story gives me major Death Note vibes. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> seen that uh, cartoon before or animation. Um, we're kind of getting up towards the end of our time. Teresa, I am curious before wrap up. And of course, we'll go back into that story Echo shared. But during this time, have you got any feelings or sensations or thoughts you want to share with Echo about the stories he shared with us? Yeah, I've been writing little notes down as we go kind of things I've been feeling. And I mean, the last thing I just wrote was, you're asking the wrong side for help. You know, I, I go to the white light and I feel good about it and positive and I feel like this whoo, awesome feeling just that when you ask for negative, you're creating more negative. So anytime that we kind of build up, whatever we focus on will grow. So we got to remember what we focus on. If it's that negative energy, that's going to just grow. And it does feel powerful. And it does make you feel like, woohoo. But I've learned to stay away from that kind of stuff. And so um, fear will also create more fear. And so those are the few things that I wrote down. Meditation should always be done in a positive way, bringing in the white light and uh, coming into a place of peace. It's nice to have a uh, you know, good curiosity of things, but anytime you're, you're dealing with that negative energy, you're just opening yourself up and we're too susceptible. We're too weak. So it feels powerful when we have that, that uh, stuff happen because it's like, ooh, 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 the, the universe is listening to me. 
but you, but what what do you want to listen to you though? What is it? Is it evil? Is it not? Though that that question's huge to me. Well, and and as a kid of the '90s, you bringing up Angel Fire made me think of like Geo Cities and that whole time. So I, I got some major uh, flashbacks and euphoria from from just the mention of that. So Echo, you've you've had these experiences. You have had spirits come to you that seemed like they're trying to scare you and some that were obviously wanting you to know that hey we're here um where do you see you know yourself as as you move on as as a human in this world and having the ability to interact with the supernatural how would you like that to proceed as, as you grow older what are your expectations with this what are your wants um from this gift you know, I feel like every experience that I've had, I don't feel like it's necessarily been me getting in touch with things, things getting in touch with me. And um, I just, I love all of this, to be honest, as freaky as it is and scary. I just want to keep going and see where it takes to see if I can eventually get to a point where I can communicate with spirits, you know, so see what happens. Well, we do appreciate you, you know, listening to the podcast and being a fan, especially from the very beginning. That's, that's really rad. And, um, hope that you will continue to reach out to us and let us know how things go along your journey. And Teresa, of course, we really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your view and opinions and bringing your uh, knowledge of the white light to our audience. And Teresa, if our audience would like to reach out to you and, and book an appointment, how can they do that? Healingheartsmedium.com and find me on Facebook and Instagram. All right. Well, thank you both for coming on. So with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm Teresa. I'm Echo. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.